Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. It's good to have you here. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I just want to say thanks again to Catherine and Lynette for uh, leading us in worship. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a joy to have you uh, here with us, and we miss you. Um, and, uh, you know, I think your grandkids are being a little selfish, keeping you down there in California, but, uh, but I guess that's just what happens. Um, no, but seriously, it, it, it was, it's really nice. Um, if you're new here, worship is not normally like that. Um, we were blessed. Uh, so really, you never know what you're going to get here. Uh, we believe in being the body of Christ. And so worship changes a lot um, to reflect who we are. Um, and because look around. We're a multitude. And so we sound different a lot. And that's a good thing. Um, I also want to just say one thing. We have tons of kids here. And that's awesome. And Parents, I know, if, as a parent, I know that when my kids make noise in church, it's very embarrassing for me, you know? And I'm like, shh, knock it off. But I love your kids making noise in church. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> um, really, and it, it, it does. It, it's, it's one of those things where you're more self-conscious than everybody around you. Um, that's signs of life. We like that. Um, so don't feel bad if your kids get a little squirmy. Um, that's okay. That's just that's just part of them growing up and being part of our family, and we need to learn how to embrace them and welcome them into the family. Uh, I know we do children's church and stuff like that, and they all go out, but that's not because we don't love them. It's because we want to help them to grow to be with us. So, uh, you know, of course it's going to be some noise sometimes, but it's a good thing. So, all those things being said. Uh, Let's get started with a word of prayer. Holy Father, you are good. Thank you. Uh, thank you for family. Uh, thank you for, for friends. Thank you um, for refuge from the rain. Uh, Lord, we join you. We join together and praise for what you're doing, for what you've done, and for what's going to come. Lord, please open our ears and our hearts to hear uh, what we need so that we can receive it, Lord. And I just pray that, uh, that anything that hinders is, uh, is discarded, is laid aside, Lord. Christ's name, amen. All right. Over the past few weeks, we've been going over through the book of Exodus. We actually took a two-week break, but we're back to Exodus. Um, and it's the formation of Israel from an extended family clan to a people, a nation, chosen by God to be God's people, a holy nation, and the means through which God will eventually offer blessing and redemption to all peoples. 
And, and we've been going through the chapters pretty diligently, kind of just to set the stage. So that we, so we wanted to make sure that we understand Moses, um, the main prophet that God was working through, and the states of Israel, the states of the Israelites. But now we're going to move a little bit faster. Um, Exodus is a long book, and once again, I would encourage you to read it yourself during your devotions, maybe a few times. But we're not going to be able to go over everything uh, in the book. But so here we are. We're in chapter five, and uh, we're going to go over five and six. And, and in these chapters, Moses and his brother Aaron, they go to Pharaoh um, to ask for the Israelites who are enslaved um, to be able to go into the wilderness and to make sacrifices to God. And, and Pharaoh is just indignant about this. He responds. This is uh, verse 5-2. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Um, now, I think one thing I was just kind of thought was interesting was that uh, the Israelites weren't considered Egyptians. I mean, that sounds kind of weird, but the Israelites were not considered is Egyptians, but they, they had been in Egypt for 430 years at this point. Um, and to put that in context, the first European settlement in what would become the United States was in Roanoke in 1587, and that's 436 years ago. So they'd been an Israelite for a long time. They'd been in Egypt for a long time. Um, I mean, our constitution is only 235 years, okay? You would think that they would have been part of the culture, but then, you know, we think that we'd all get along too, and that's not, not the case. Um, the Israelites, they've been part of Egypt for a long, long time, and it was long enough for Pharaoh to forget the wisdom of Joseph, who uh, first welcomed uh, his brothers, yeah, the, the rest of the uh, Israelites clan to come. But it was enough for Pharaoh to forget the wisdom of Joseph and for Egypt to forget the wisdom of Joseph's God. And so Moses and Aram, they go to Pharaoh and they're asked to take a huge number of people, uh, 430 years worth of people, um, to go worship another God. Now, just kind of putting it into our mind, what would happen if, if, if all of um, the slaves that land, right, because all the Israelites were made into slaves, if they just left to go worship another god, what, what, what would the, the citizens of Egypt think? Um, what would it do to the economy for all of them just to go take, take a little vacation in the wilderness? Or um, what would it do to the government? Uh, what would it do to the faith of the Egyptian people? To, to see this, this, this large, massive group go out to worship another god. It'd be a huge blow to that civilization, to the way it was structured. Um, and as I keep saying, Pharaoh isn't just the king. He's a god. Okay, he's the god of the people. And Pharaoh cannot acknowledge the authority um, of the Israelite god without losing some of his own authority. So instead of letting Israel go, Pharaoh doubles down. He makes Israel work harder, not by supplying all the supplies needed to make bricks, which is what they did. They made bricks. But he had them keep the same quota. And he said, this is Exodus 5, 9. 
make the work harder for people so they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Okay. So they were, or the Israelites were already oppressed. And Pharaoh, instead of you know, maybe letting up a little, you know, being nicer, no, he's like, no. No, I'm going to double down. I'm going to make them work harder. I'm going to make them do more. So they don't pay attention to those other gods. They pay attention to me. They know that I'm their boss. His reaction is to further oppress the people. And, and the Israelites, they cannot keep up their brick production, and they're being beaten and falling behind in their work. And so they appeal to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh just accuses them of being lazy. And he doesn't let the Israelites go out into the wilderness to worship their god. He demands, he demands their service. They can't go worship their god. He needs their service. Now, you would think that the uh, Israelites would blame Pharaoh for what's happened. But they don't. Instead, they, did, they blame the people that dare challenge the god king Pharaoh. Moses and his brother Aaron. And the Israelites yell at Moses, and in turn, Moses complains to God. This is 5.22-23. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Why is this, is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people. And you have not rescued your people at all. Moses and Israel are questioning God, right? They're doubting God's power and authority. They're saying that Pharaoh is the one with the real power. That Pharaoh has the authority. And ultimately that means that the Pharaoh of the Egyptians is more powerful than the God of Israel. And, uh, and this is something I want to keep on emphasizing to you. The confrontation between Moses and Pharaoh is not a confrontation between two people. It's a confrontation between the God of Israel and the God of Egypt. It's a spiritual battle, just as much as it is physical. And we're going to get that into that more next week as we go into the plagues uh, sent to Egypt. But this week, uh, Moses accused God of bringing trouble on his people, rather than blaming Pharaoh who oppressed them. Uh, Moses is basically saying, God, you don't even care. Or even worse, God, you don't even have the power to withstand Pharaoh. But God responds is, First, God reminds Moses of who he is. And then he reminded Moses of what God had covenanted. He had made faithful promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God heard the groans of the enslaved Israelites. And then God starts to speak about the future, letting Moses know what God will do. And, and this is actually where I want to spend uh, most of the time today. Uh, because there's just one section, and uh, God spoke uh, to Moses, and he, and he said seven things that he will do. He made seven I will statements. And so I, that's where I want to spend our time, these, little, these seven statements, the I will. Um, and so this is in chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know 
that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. This is what God told uh, Moses and the people that doubted him. He gave Moses a little glimpse into the future. And uh, so God said he'd do these seven things. And, and to give credit where credit's due, um, I got this list from uh, Christopher Wright's commentary um, on Exodus uh, from the Story of God series. And whenever I kind of go through this list, I, I, I think there's a lot relevant for us today. Not because we're enslaved like Israel was, but when we start to doubt the power of God, uh, that, this list is a good thing to remember. When we wonder why things happen, and when we're discouraged, we remember God's promises to Israel. Um, we, we sang a song last week uh, called Same God. And, you know, and, and in the song, it just kept saying, God, we, it's the same God. We're singing to the same God that did all these things for, for Israel. And God loves us just as much as he loved Israel. Right? We are his people too. All right. So working through this list, the first three statements come from verse 6. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out of under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arms and with mighty acts of judgment. First, I will bring you out. I will bring you out. God knew the oppression that the Israelites suffered. And God wanted Israel to know that their suffering is not forever. They will be delivered. God will rescue. And it's easy to believe that suffering is forever. Right? When we're in pain, it's easy to lose sight. When we're grieving, it's easy to think the grief will never end. When we're hurt, when we feel oppressed, when we're alone, it feels like things will never end. We lose sight of God's goodness and what God's done in the past. And what's worse is we normalize our pain and suffering. Right? We just that's just what we learn to accept. And it's one thing to know that in this life we'll face troubles and we'll have to weather them. But it's another thing to start thinking, this is what life should be. We're not meant to live under oppression. Um, I don't know what your specific version of oppression is. Um, I think actually, so one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is grief. Uh, we, we did a lament service last year um, because many of us had suffered serious and painful loss. I, I lost a very, very close friend. And uh, um, honestly, one of the reasons why I, I kind of stopped doing Facebook because people and, and family members would post pictures of my friend and like whenever I'd just see it, I would just like, Ugh, you know, I'd just feel sick. Um, so loss of loved ones, loss of past success, loss of jobs, loss of family, loss of sense of identity. God knows our sorrows. God knows our oppression. And God will bring us out. The thing, second thing God says is, I will free you. God isn't just going to bring Israel out of Egypt. He's going to free them. He's going to change their status from slave to free. They're no longer going to be defined by Egypt. They're no longer to be bound in servitude to a false god that claimed their allegiance. 
likewise, we're no longer bound by the things that oppress us, right? We need to stop defining ourselves by the things that once enslaved us. There's freedom in Christ. Um, who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am, right? Like the song says. Um, and, you know, this, this is actually something, growing up in Alaska, I saw a lot. Um, I had so many friends that moved to leave situations behind, um, thinking that moving to a new place would make them a new person and give them a new chance. But after a while, the, they'd find themselves dealing with the same things. I had a friend with a drinking problem. He thought if he could just move away, if he could just move away from his old friends into a new city, things would be better there. Instead, he just started getting drunk there, in that new place. Even though he left his hometown, he still is not free. He's still caught up in the same cycles. He's still avoiding the same pains. But God said, I will free you. You will no longer be a slave. I will make you free. Uh, the third thing God said, I will redeem you. Not only will Israel be brought out and freed from slavery, they will be redeemed. They will never have to go back to Egypt. And Egypt will not be able to come after them because they will no longer have a claim on them. Their claim on the Israelites had been dealt with. It's been taken care of. And we don't have to worry about that anymore. And it's the same for us. Christ is our redemption. There is no need for further payment. And sin, oppression, death, all has no claim on us. It says in verse 6 that God will redeem with judgment. There will be justice. And we're going to be talking a lot more about justice next week. But I just want to say God's judgment is a good thing. It means things are going to be made right. We're going to be made right. Being redeemed is about restoration. We will be restored. Moving on to the next two statements. They come from verse 7. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. And then you will know I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will take you as my own people. Number four. God will free Israel from Egypt. They will, they will not be left unfettered. Right? If they were just free-floating, they'd be easily captured by the next power to come along. Instead, God tells Israel that they are God's own people. They have an identity. Their freedom doesn't mean that they're alone. It meant freedom from what had enslaved them so that they can become who they were meant to be, God's own people. And to, to whom God is going to work to accomplish his holy purposes on earth. Um, namely, which was to bless all people, eventually. God was using Israel as part of his redemptive plan to set free the whole of creation from the slavery of sin and death. And likewise, God rescues us, but not for us just to become inwardly focused navel-gazers. Okay? I'm all for self-introspection. I love thinking about myself. Um, it's my favorite topic. But there's more to life than that. We're called to look out. Sin... Um, sin turns us in, turns us into ourselves. But God opens us up so that we can look out and see other people. We are saved to be a blessing. In the world of curses, right, this is one of my favorite things to say, in the world of curses, we're meant to be a blessing, to cooperate with the good work the Lord is doing. Number five, I will be your God. Israel will no longer serve the gods of Egypt. They have a more powerful God. Israel has the God of all creation. And that God is the one that will protect Israel. That God is the one that will sustain Israel. 
and throughout whatever trials and tribulations may come, that is Israel's God. And that's something that we can trust as well. If you confess that Christ is Lord, God will be your God. And you can experience his redemptive love and provision. And this doesn't mean that everything will go your way. But just as Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet the Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Right? We're giving up our worry to somebody else. Somebody that can take care of things. Somebody that can actually change things. Okay? Most of our worry is just us being focused on things that we can't do anyways and being upset about it. All right? Maybe we should stop doing that. Maybe we need to like, let down that load or learn how to let down that load. God will be your God if you let him. Um, now, these things are God's covenant with the people of Israel. They don't quite apply to us in the same way, but those who follow Christ are also God's people. Okay? And we can trust that's the same God. Right? That that same God is going to be just as true and just as good to us. Maybe things, you know, the promises are a little different, but the principles are the same. Okay, home stretch. Last two statements from Exodus. Um, this is from Exodus 6 8. I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Number six, I will bring you to a land. Israel had a home, and God tells Moses and Israel that he will bring them there. He will bring them to that home. And church, that is something that we need to remember. Right? The kingdom of God is our home. It's where we belong. It's what we were made for. The place where the Christ is king and the land is under his gracious and loving rule and his people live together in peace. That is our home. That's what we're working towards. That's what we're living for. That's where we're going. This new creation where heaven meets earth. right? And as Jesus reminds us, the land, the kingdom of heaven, is near. The kingdom of heaven is near, as close as our next breath. And God will bring us there. And number seven, I will give it to you as possession. God lets Israel know that they have a place where they belong. For hundreds of years, they had been outsiders. right? They had been perpetual foreigners. 430 years. And their condition just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Never fully trusted, never belonging. But when they get to the land that God has taken them, it will be their new home, the place where they belong, and they will no longer be strangers and foreigners. They will have a place. And likewise, we need to remember this world's not our home. We're not supposed to belong here. But as Paul reminds us in Philippians 3.26, our citizenship is in heaven, and so we're not to hold on to the things of this world. When God says something, it's true. God does not lie. And these statements of what God will do, are, are, are these, things, these are things that Moses and Israel could count on. And as we um, read through the Old Testament, you can see those promises coming true, how God's working through that. God is faithful even if his people are not. And we see a lot of his people not being faithful. And we say, like, how could they do that? How could Israel be so dumb? But then we go and do our dumb things and disobey God. And I, once again, I want to emphasize that these promises are for Israel. They're not for us. 
but they show God's heart towards us. Okay? They show God's heart towards us. Colossians 1, 13 through 14. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of our sins. God has rescued us too. God has rescued us too. He's rescued me, and if you'd let him, he'd rescue you. He's faithful to his people. And, and we can trust in that God. When all seems lost, we can trust in that God. That God will bring us out of our darkness and oppression. That God will set us free. That God will redeem us and make us new. That God will make us his people. That God will be our God. That God will welcome us into his kingdom. And God will make it our home. We can trust that. And I, I've, I've been saying that the story of Exodus isn't just of one people that's enslaved by another. It's the story of the God of Israel redeeming his people from the God of Egypt. In the same way, your story isn't just about you being lost in sin and oppression and grief. I mean, that's true, but that's not your story. It's your story is the story of God redeeming you from the gods of this world. Right? It's the story of God at work, working to redeem your children and your family and your neighbors and your friends and your parents. Right? It's not a story of their faults. It's the story of a God that's at work, fighting and redeeming them all. Right? Redeeming them from the kings and kingdom and gods of this world to bring them into the world that they were meant for. Right? The world that we were created for. A truer, better world. And make no mistake, Christ is one. Christ is one. Right? We're still wandering through the wilderness some, but there's a destination. And it's the same God. God will continue to do it. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, we trust. Lord, teach us to trust in your goodness, in your provision, in your love. Lord, teach us how to turn away from the gods of this world to you. Teach us to reject the ways that we, we worship um, the things of this kingdom, the worship of you. Teach us how to serve you, how to contribute to what you're doing instead of the kingdoms of this earth. In Christ's name.